Hey, hey everyone. everyone, Anthony and Miriam, senior pastors of Church Alive in New Jersey. We want you to go ahead and subscribe to our Church Alive YouTube channel right now. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. Hey, every time you jump into a service, you're going to get fresh faith. It's going to build your thinking. It's going to strengthen your family. God bless you. Enjoy service. See you later. My name's Verlani. My name's Tim. We're so excited to have you guys tune in with us this morning. Welcome to our Church Alive experience. We're going to take 15 seconds right now and text the word HELLO7 to 97000. And just let us know how many of you are watching. We want to know. Yeah, and during, as you do that, hey, prayer is happening Monday through Saturday at 7.14 a.m. on our church Instagram page. And then in the afternoon, we have Pastor Miriam posting her Bible study on her YouTube channel at 1 p.m. Ladies, save the date. This Thursday, we will be with Pastor Vanessa Hoyes live on YouTube, so you do not want to miss out. Awesome. Now, we also have Transform and Evening College coming up. So if you're interested in joining Transform, please text TRANSFORM to 97000. And if you're interested in Evening College, text COLLEGE7 to 97000 for more info on that. Now, everybody, mark your calendars. For the first time ever, Church Alive is hosting a curbside pickup. Now, you may be thinking, what's a Church Alive curbside pickup? So glad you asked. It's only the best thing ever. It's where our pastors, our leaders, and youth teams will be scattered around the building to greet you, your family, and your friends along a drive-through adventure. Around every turn, you're gonna see some familiar faces, receive fun gifts, and play awesome games all from inside your car. So please keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Don't get out. <laughs> We can't wait to see you. Hey, that's it for us. Enjoy the service. Well, hey there, Church Alive. I want to ask how you all are doing, but we all know the reality. Some are doing well. Some are not doing so great right now. Maybe some of you are feeling a lot of fear and confusion, and this time not even about COVID-19. Uh, this time because of the racial tension and uh, the racial climate of our nation, of our country at this moment. And so Anthony and I wanted to take a few moments uh, today to address some of the things that are happening right now and where we as a church, as the body of Christ stand in these moments. We want to talk a little bit about what the Word of God says. And there's a lot in the Word of God. We could stay here for weeks and talk about the different things and the different ways that the Bible says that we are to love all people. Um, but we're just gonna touch on a few things, but we also wanna tell you what we as a church, we as a leadership of this church are doing to become and continue being the bridge to all people. And so already this week, we've been engaged in conversations um, with friends, people within our church, also reaching out uh, to friends outside of our church community who are people of color. We want to sit 
We want to listen. We want to hear and we want to understand. We believe that the body of Christ and Anthony will talk about it in a moment. We have the, the mission and the mandate on the body of Christ um, to have the ministry of reconciliation. And we need to bring about unity where there is disunity because that is the heart of God. And so you're going to be hearing in the upcoming weeks of different conversations that we together as a church will engage in so that we all can understand a little better, so that we can all love a whole lot better, and so that we can come alongside of all people and love the way Christ has asked us and commissioned us to love. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, honey. And uh, let me just share a scripture with you. Um, I heard it yesterday and I was like, wow, what an absolutely appropriate verse for a season like now. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, God is speaking to the children of Israel and he says to them, do we not all have one father? He says, did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? I want you to let you know that the, the message of Christ and the message of the gospel is that all-inclusive message to every single person. It puts value on everyone, but he, it puts us on the exact same plane. It puts value on everyone, but then it also says, you're made in my image. At the same time, it, it, it points out where we're actually faulty and wrong and we need, we need his grace and we need his mercy. And then Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, listen to this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So our message, our number one hope and desire is that people are first reconciled to God, that they fall in love with Jesus. They understand God has a plan for them. God has a purpose for each and every single life, that they are reconciled to God through Christ, that through the gospel, through the good news, we are all invited and adopted in the family of God. And then, then it plays itself out. Then we're commanded to love one another, every single person. And so Miriam and I just wanted to come alongside in this time and say, man, we stand. We will always have a culture of acceptance in our church, but never a culture of approval. What does that mean? It means everyone is sitting very simply invited. At the same time, we don't, we never want to tolerate or excuse or approve of sin. Man, racism is sin. Hatred is sin. Um, Dealing with undealt issues of the heart. Those are things that will hinder people from truly reflecting and being an ambassador of Christ. And so, man, we just want to come alongside uh, our church at this time. And, and, And I honestly believe that one of the best things that we can all always do is this, is not to look out, but to reflect in. I honestly believe that that Second Chronicles 7.14 is the answer. If yeah. my people, watch this now, yeah. if my people call by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. And at the end of the day, what I want to tell us is I believe for a massive move of God. I believe for more people coming to Christ. I believe more people getting reconciled to one another. But I want to say this. Let's not look out, 
Let's look in. Let's say, God, what do you need to do in me? What do you need to heal me of? What do you need to uh, forgive in my own heart? Because change is so easy to point out out there, but it's, it's best in the heart of man. God wants to deal with our heart. Then we can actually have a heart to help one another. The last thing I want to say about this is, is that um, Jesus wants to heal you from rejection. If there's one thing that I've, a number of things that I've learned from following Jesus is this, the Father takes us and then He takes us on a journey of healing. And so we're praying for you. We're praying for people who feel rejected at this time. Mm -hmm. We're praying for people who feel hurt at this time. We're praying for people who've gone through things at this time that Miriam and I cannot maybe relate to. But I've experienced that almost everyone has their own journey, but God wants to forgive us, but God wants to heal us. God wants to restore us. And then God wants to make us agents of reconciliation. So that is really our prayer. That's going to be our heart always, um, that our church would be a a place where people reconcile to God, they're reconciled to people and they're restored to the image and the likeness of God. And so we're praying, let's be praying together during this time. Let's believe that absolutely incredible days are ahead. That doesn't mean challenging days are not ahead. But I do want to say this. I want to say that as we, as the people of God, Uh, As we pray, as we seek God, He'll give us the strategies as will allow Him to cleanse our heart so that we can be healing agents. And that's really our prayer in Jesus' name. So let's enter into, um, yeah, let's enter into worship. Let me just say this last thing. The importance of worship at this time, the importance of praise and worship at this time, the importance of hearing the Word of God at this time cannot be overstated why we're not changed as we behold something else we're changed as we behold him so let's get into the presence of God right now because guess what we are changed as we behold his glory Mm. it's the goodness it's the majesty it's the love of God that we are changed as we behold him that's right yeah so we love you pray for our land yeah and uh, let's continue to be a bridge of Christ's love to all mankind we love you guys see you soon bye
Very 
articulating with a thousand tongues to lift one cry and from north to south and the east to west we'd hear cries be magnified were the
What a great song, Christ be magnified. And as we move into the part of our service where we magnify God with our giving, let's turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. And I'll be reading from the message version, which I love. Uh, and it says, and it's a great story. And this is Jesus and he's sitting across from the offering box. He was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions, but one poor widow came up and put two small coins, a measly two cents, and Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. And she gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. And when I think about this verse, as I was reflecting on it this week and just thinking through the journey uh, of COVID-19 over the last couple weeks, the question that I had for God was, well, why she give the two cents? Like she could have kept one of them, you know? She didn't have to give it all, right? Like that's my thinking. I was like, well, here, God, I'll, I'll give you this and I'll keep this for myself. And uh, God said, well, what was she gonna do with the one cent? What was she gonna do with the coin? See, the reality is the value of the coin in her hands was a, was a cent, it was a, a penny, but the value of that one coin in God's hands had infinite value. There was no, like you could not put a price uh, on the value when it transferred from her hands to God's hands. And what I love about this verse is that God reminds us that he measures what we give by our hearts, not by the value that is attached in our hands. And I think about our church and what I love about this season is that our church has been able to look at those who have potentially have gone unnoticed, unseen in this season and magnify who they are. Our first responders we've been able to help, our moms, our families, our foster care children, all of them have been beneficiaries of our generosity. And so as we think about that, as we give today, let us know, let us trust God in knowing that what we have in our hands, when we surrender, when we transfer that over to Him, it actually creates even greater value than we could ever think or imagine. So with that, I hope that encourages you and let's get ready to give, amen. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that there is infinite value in your hands, that when we give to you, when we surrender, when we transfer our pennies, our money to you, that there is nothing that you cannot do without it. You can do so much more than we can ever think, expect, imagine. And so we thank you, God, that as we give, Together, more lives will be saved, more lives will be touched, more lives will uh, get to know the power and the love that comes from trusting you. All these things we ask in your name, Jesus, amen.
Well, welcome today, every person, family, friends watching on Church Alive. We actually have some people in the auditorium today. Come on, give me a shout, people. Yeah, we've got some people watching. I haven't preached to people. I've been preaching to cameras for eight weeks, and so I'm excited. Uh, they're here and honoured that they're here, but join us on a chat if you haven't already, wherever you're watching this, from your home or computer or phone, or maybe later on a podcast, just pray that you are so blessed in this time. Hey, we've been doing a series in our church called I Didn't See It Coming. I wanna pray for you right now. Put away distractions, get your heart and your mind ready to receive God's Word. Let me pray for you and then we'll dive right in. Father, I just thank You. I thank You for every man, every woman. I thank You for every family represented right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would flow through Your servant into Your people. Let the life of heaven touch them where they need it, Father. I pray for this time and this hour that Your church would shine brighter and larger and more loving than ever before. Lord, I believe You to work, to work wonders and miracles, Father. Strengthen lives, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Again, I'm not used to feedback, so I just got to get used to that for a second. Uh, but I wanted to finish a story I began last week. I began to talk to you about a time where I was on a boat. I was on the boat for the very first time. I was part of a tennis camp and um, I jumped on this boat. I didn't really know how to use the boat, but anyway, someone instructed me how to use it. And then I began this little journey on this boat. There was almost no wind blowing, but then suddenly, like, like out of nowhere, a gust of wind began to blow and and to be honest, it began to blow hard, but it began to blow too hard. I was only, I don't know, 100 pounds or something like that at the time. I was 13 years old, and I kept getting blown over. So I was getting blown over time and time again to the point where I was starting to freak out. I'm like, I cannot control this little boat. And my uh, camp counselor was on a boat. And I was trying to wave his attention, his direction. And he literally looks at me and kept on going back to shore. And I was like, what's up, bro? I'm waving for help. I'm not getting any help. So I began to get fearful. Unfortunately, before that, I'd been reading the Reader's Digest about a month or two months before. I'd read a Reader's Digest story. I don't know if you remember Reader's Digest, but Reader's Digest would have these cool little three, four, five page stories, enough of my little ADD brain to take something from it and get something out of it. But I remember reading a story about someone getting lost at sea and they were lost for days and sharks around them and they tried to attack them and then finally they got out of it. So I'm on this little lake and I'm thinking about this Reader's Digest story and I'm beginning to think, what if I get taken away and the current was taking me and off in the far distance were these waves and I'm like, my gosh, I might get dragged out to sea. So my little 12, 13 year old brain begins to fast forward, begins to panic, begins to go, what in the world? My camp counselor does not like me. He hates me. <laughs> He's run away from me. And finally, I get the idea, I'm gonna ditch my boat and I'm gonna weave through these trees and I'll see if I can crawl my way back to the camp. So I actually grab my boat, I tie it up and I walk my little butt and I find this road. I've got a life jacket on and I begin to hitchhike. I'm hitchhiking, I'm 13. I'm hitchhiking. 
I'm 13 and I'm hitchhiking. Why in the world is a 13-year-old hitchhiking? Why? Because he was scared. He was freaking out. He'd been reading too much Reader's Digest. That's why he was beginning to imagine all the things that were happening in his mind and they became, in his mind, true. So I left a not even dangerous situation and I walked into a more dangerous situation and I hitchhiked back to the camp. I came back to the camp. I'm like, hey, I'm back. They're like, what do you mean you're back? I'm like, I'm back. They're like, I left. I hitchhiked back. They're like, you didn't hitchhike back. I said, I hitchhiked back. The camp counselor had then been looking for me. He'd actually returned to the sand to go get gas because he was running out of gas. He then looks at my boat. There's no Anthony. He's wondering where I am. He sees something floating off in the distance. He thought I'd drown. He's then looking at this, this thing that's, that's floating in the distance and he goes over to it thinking I'm drowned. I haven't drowned. He goes on back. He's like, I've lost a kid. He's freaking out. Now here's what's so interesting, that little ridiculous story happens to you and to me all the time. Do you know the difference between fear and faith? Fear is believing something that you can't see is going to happen. Do you know what faith is? Believing something that you can't see is going to happen. So different. Let me quote my pa- uh, uh, pastor, Pastor Yoga Matesi, it's a mentor and friend. Let me say it again. Fear is believing something that that you can't see is going to happen. Faith is believing something that you can't see happen. God wants to fill you and me with faith. God wants to fill you and me with a positive future or picture of the future. He doesn't want to fill you with negative images. And I began to speak about last week how your tongue is like the rudder of a boat and you can tell the trajectory of your life and my life by where that rudder is going. And praise is the sail that begins to capture the presence of God. But I want to say to you today that fear is like the anchor that limits you and I from getting out of the wharf. Fear. Actually, do you know that a boat is not made for a wharf. A boat is made to sail. A boat is made to go to a place. A boat is made for a destination. You and I are not made to sit in a wharf. Our faith is actually made to go somewhere, to progress. Now in a storm, we need an anchor. In a storm, we need a place where we can hide. But we're not made to hide, are we, Church Alive? We're not made to hide. We're actually made to sail. And so I want to preach to you along this thought today. We have got to get rid of fear and we have got to embrace faith in our lives. I want to point to a famous passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You will probably have heard it before, but I want to preach to you about it because I think during this time it's such an important, vital Scripture. 2 Timothy, if you're unfamiliar, is the last letter of Paul. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he is writing to him out of a prison, and he is writing to him really a a charge. Its, Its tone is 
fatherly, its tone is encouraging, its tone is, come on, Timothy. If you've ever been around your dad, how many of you know that mothers can sometimes mother a child too much? So they kind of like, oh, it's okay, boo-boo. But dad will get alongside you and say, suck it up, big boy. Let's go. Let's get up. Let's brush off the, the scratches. Come on, right? And you and I need a mother's love. How many know that sometimes, right? But we also need a father's love that comes alongside. And Timothy is receiving a father's instruction. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, for this reason, Timothy, I remind you, he says, to fan into flame the gift of God through the laying on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hear it again. God has not given you, God has not given me, God has not given Ed, God has not given Rachel, God has not given Caitlin, God has not given every single person who's watching right now. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, why does Paul have to have this conversation with Timothy? Timothy is a young leader, really, of that time of a megachurch in Ephesus. Timothy had to deal with problems. Timothy had to confront things. Timothy was leading people, but he had to continually lead himself. I found in life, the challenge isn't always leading people. The challenge is leading me. And if I can get that guy straight in the mirror, then I can lead someone else. But Timothy had a tendency towards fear. He had a, perhaps a more natural, passive nature than say Paul did. Paul was a tiger, man. Paul would take you on. Paul was zealous almost at all times. But Timothy wrestled timidity. Sometimes you and I have a tendency towards aggressiveness, but some of you have a greater tendency towards timidity or to fear or to anxiousness. But here's the thing, that doesn't mean you're going to stay there. That does not mean that your proclivity for something needs to define who you are. God wants to call you out of weakness into love, into power and into a sound mind. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm not used to people shouting back. Where were you guys eight weeks ago? (laughs) Missed you people. Missed you guys. But I want to set something up here for a second. See, Paul is speaking to Timothy about timidity, about fear. Four different times in the letter, he's basically charging him, be strong, get out of fear. I'm, I'm commanding you. But I want to backtrack a little bit into the next few verses because it lays a foundation of how we actually get out of fear. He actually does something very unique. He builds his identity. And so in my talk today, I want to build your identity in God stronger. And then I want to ask you to act specifically about something because it's not enough to just build your identity, your thinking in God. How many know that? Faith has to have action tied to it. Faith has to have action tied to it. Here's what Timothy does. He says, sorry, here's what Paul does. He says, Timothy, he says, my son in the faith, he was commending his love towards him. Do you know what we need right now at this time? We need more people filled with the love of God. 
We need more people actually telling people, hey man, I love you. Because you know what happens when people hear, I love you, they find themselves have a security and a foundation about it. And it actually rejects fear. The Bible actually says that perfect love casts out fear. You would, you would think you would say perfect love casts out hatred, but it's fear is actually the enemy of your life and my life. Paul tells him, I love you. Paul tells the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3, he says the love of God is longer, it's wider, it's higher, it's deeper. It's deeper than you can understand. And I want to tell someone watching today, the love of God is for you. People love you. God loves you. And if people have misused you or ever abused you, understand this, God Himself loves you. You say, you don't understand what I've done. I wanna say, you don't understand what God has done. He went to the cross. The cross shouts of the love of God. If you're in the chat today, I think that's a good place to say, amen, amen. Paul was encouraging Timothy in the love of God in his own love that built his identity. In Matthew chapter three, Jesus, or Matthew chapter four, sorry, Jesus is starting his ministry. And what's interesting, I, I think it's kind of like this proud fatherhood moment of the father. Jesus has lived his life as a carpenter up until this point, And now all of a sudden he's getting baptized by Jesus. And it was almost like the father just looks down from heaven and he's been quiet all this time. And then it's just like, this is my son. And he shouts and he's like, hey, I want you to know at the start of your ministry, I want you to know before you ever do anything, I want you to know before you ever raise the dead or heal the sick, he says, I want you to know that I love you. And Jesus could be really rejected by men because he was so secure in the love of God. Jesus could actually deal with the fear of man because his identity was so secure in the love of God. Paul encourages Timothy, listen, I want you to know that you're loved. He says this, I want you to know that the foundation or the essence of your faith is critical. He says this, your, your grandmother had a faith, your mother had a faith. And he says to him, he says, listen, the sincerity of your faith. He says, I believe in it. I was there when I laid hands on you and the power of God came upon you. And he says, listen, I am convinced of your faith. Isn't it amazing that for some reason, Paul had to tell Timothy, I am convinced of your faith. What does that mean? That sometimes even the greatest leaders have doubts. Even the greatest leaders go, man, was this real? Did this happen? That was thousands of years ago. And he is leading a church where people knew the resurrected Jesus. And still sometimes there was questions. Still sometimes there was doubts about himself. Is anyone hearing me today? He says, I wanna remind you of that sincere faith that lived in, in your grandmother, that lived in your mother. And now I believe that lives in you. And I wanna encourage someone today, dig deep in the foundation of your faith. Dig deep in the foundation of your faith so that when the storms of life come, Jesus said they come in Matthew chapter seven. He says, when they come, there's a wise man, there is a foolish man. But he says, the person that laid his foundation on the rock, this one shall stand. And Paul is telling Timothy, and I am telling you, build the foundation of your faith and dig it deep. 
If something goes wrong in your life, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. If something goes wrong in your life, that doesn't mean God has departed from you. The foundation of our faith is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He says, for this reason, oh, I, I, I tell you of first importance, Christ died for your sins. Christ died for my sins. Christ died for my mistakes. Christ died for your mistakes. Christ died for the mistakes of the whole entire world. And so sometimes people leave the faith because someone offended them. But I have to say this, it was your faith in the fact that no one would ever offend you in your life. Sometimes maybe an answer prayer didn't happen was your soul faith that God would kind of be Santa Claus in your world. No, dig a little deeper in your faith. God works separate out of your timing and my timing. There's numerous different times I've been disappointed in my faith. There's numerous different times I wish God answered something. But my foundation isn't that God would do that one thing I was hoping He would do. But my foundation is, it's Jesus. It's that that's man who lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose bodily, but then sent His Spirit into my life. I've, I've seen so many answered prayers and I praise God for answered prayers, but there's some moments you're like, how come that one didn't answer? That's normal. Paul was encouraging him. You're loved. I believe that gets you out of fear. Paul was encouraging him to build the foundation that allows you to stand in the tough times. Paul was encouraging Timothy, watch this now, that he was gifted. He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, sometimes the gifts are practical and sometimes the gifts are spiritual. And they're both. Timothy was a leader, he had to lead. Timothy was a preacher, he had to preach. Timothy was a teacher, he had to teach. Timothy was really an apostle of the faith. He had to lay hands on people. He had to impart to other teachers who would lead other people. And he was stirring him to embrace the gifts. I wanna stir you to actually embrace the gifts of your life. Don't compare yourself to other people, it's easy to do. But actually, you've got to learn to love your story. You've got to learn to love the gifts on your life. I'd love to be able to sing, I can't. I'd love to be able to dance like Michael Jackson, but I can't. But I've got to be able to. I'm, I'm banging this thing, sorry. I've got to be able to embrace the gifts on my life. The gifts and calling on my life. Some of you are amazing managers. Some of you are amazing leaders. Some of you can sing only in the shower. Some of you can bake cakes for the Pope, but some of you can bake cakes and people go, oh, that's nice. <laughs> embrace your gifts. Because actually when you embrace your gifts, you actually put value on what God gifted you in. And when you put value on what God gifted you in, Guess what? You're putting value on yourself. And when you actually love the gift on yourself, you actually can love yourself. And then when you can love yourself, you can actually love other people. Love being you. This wasn't in my notes, but I just want to tell someone, love being you. If you're white, love being white. If you're black, love being black. If you're Asian, love being Asian. 
Like, love it. Because that's what God has made you to be and made you to do. He takes him out of fear. So many of us need to be taken out of fear. I'm not saying be taken out of wisdom, but I am, be, I am saying be taken out of fear. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So who tries to give you a spirit of fear? The enemy of your soul. Sometimes the things you feed, sometimes the things you read, sometimes the, 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 the Instagram snapshots you see, they, they feed fear sometimes. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I just want to focus on two of those aspects for a second. See, I, I, I believe that power starts with an I can spirit. Haven't you ever found that if someone gives you a task to do, a job to do, and you think to yourself, I can't do that, that task all of a sudden becomes so much harder. But if someone gives you a job and you're like, I can, but you're not sure how you do it, you're kind of like, oh, I know I can do it. This might be hard, but it's like an I can't spirit makes everything harder. And I, I can't spirit makes everything harder. I want to deal with two areas real quick because I believe that God wants to get you out of fear in your identity. But I believe that He wants to deal with two things. And, I, and, and maybe I only have time to talk on two of those things. One of them is, is, is money. One of them is finances. The natural tendency of man is to worry about money. The natural tendency of the flesh is to freak out and, and overspend or, or just hoard it all to myself or yourself. And, and Jesus says, do not worry. He said, He didn't say don't plan. If you like a budget, like my wife, everydollar.com, amen. That's planning, that's wisdom. We are planning people, we are wisdom people, but let's be people who are not worrying people. That means, and many years ago, I, it's like God gave me a lesson as I was teaching my son. I grabbed my son, he was about seven or eight years old, and I said, son, here's what you're gonna do. I'm gonna give you $10. And I said, you're gonna give God one. You're going to save one. You're going to spend the rest. And he looked at me. He's like, I don't want to give God one, Dad. But what was I doing? I was being a loving father, instructing him how to live as a Christian. And I'm talking to Christians for a second. Listen, if you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you. But if, I'm, if you're a Christian, let me lovingly talk to you what it looks like to honor God and trust God in the finances of your life. Here's what it looks like. It means I honor God with the first tenth, I save or I pay off debt and I spend the rest. And if, I, if the Holy Spirit leads me to give above and beyond that, I follow Him anyway. These are the principles of God. God does not need your finances, but He does desire your heart. And when people's heart begins to drift away from God, I can tell you this, it's as if the, the lure of the tide of the worry or the love of money has begun to shift them. And there are few other places that are as practical and tangible as God speaking to you about your finances. It's finances. If you've lost your job in this season, man, believe that God's gonna open a great door for you. Work hard, work diligently, and believe that God has the best in store. Can I get a good amen? God has the best in store, but He actually puts your character and your gift and He says, listen, this is what I've given you. Now work it. But when we get it, we 
honor. We don't, we, the unusual thing is we actually don't give the tithe to God. We honor Him with it. We honor Him with it. Then we save. Then we spend. And then we become a spirit-led giver. But let me talk to you just quickly about one other portion that I think fear limits us so much. If, if you were to ask me what's perhaps one of the major, major things that limits every relationship, every life, every, every person who's a person of faith, I wouldn't have told you fear many years ago, but I believe it with all my heart that fear is probably the primary thing that doesn't just limit your faith, it limits relationships. Because a marriage sometimes won't deal with something that's a difficult thing to deal with because they're afraid to have a conversation. And so you might be one conversation away from having a healthier marriage. You might be one conversation away from having a healthier relationship. Let me dive into what happened recently this week with the tragedy that happened when when an African-American man was really murdered by a police officer. I just want to talk about it just for a second. And I think that my wife and I have been talking about it and chatting about it and we're like, man, we probably need to talk to some people who've, who've dealt with this because we've personally never really dealt with this and, and I believe that public discussion is, is part of the healing process and I think it helps. But if it never gets to a one-on-one situation or one-on-one conversation, it will not bring healing. Here's why. My wife and I have done relationship series for 15 years in our church. And we can sit up here and talk in here, but if, if, if the people hear the conversation and then don't leave and have a private conversation, it doesn't do anything. So when, does, when do you and I have the chance to talk to people about things that pop up in their world? It's actually in the little moments I've noticed. It's in the small things. It's like, how come I don't want to talk to you about this thing that you said to me because I'm afraid that your feelings might get hurt or I'm afraid of a, a, a private conversation or I'm afraid to confront you about something. So if, if you know someone and the person is always talking racist talks, then it's up to you to say something because you're the one who's hearing it. No one else is hearing it. So if you'll step out of fear and go, man, I want to talk to this person because this is an ugly trait in this person, then you can have a private conversation. That's why I'm so passionate about building men because I know that when you build the man, you build the family. When you build the family, you change the world. At the same time, I want to say this, that it is in the private conversations that men have with other men when they actually bear their weakness that they get health and they get healing. But if they won't ever expose it, then they won't get healed. But I found sometimes in my own life that it is fear that that stops me wanting to have a private conversation with someone that will actually make them a better leader, a better person, a better everything. It is a private conversation but we run from it because of fear. Fear is like this anchor that stops you and I sailing and going the places that God wants us to go. And I just wanna pray for our church and I wanna pray for this season of time and and I just wanna pray that God will give you and me wisdom and love and 
compassion and empathy in, in times like this and we'll truly be the, the love and the, and, the, and the light of Christ wherever we go. Let me also say this before I close. Listen, you may not feel like you deal with fear right now. But I promise you this, it's more subtle than you think. And there will be times when you desperately deal with it. Timothy was a leader of thousands of people and he was dealing with fear. And I want to tell you that you can get secure in the love of God that you can build a foundation on Christ, that you can celebrate the gifts in your life, that you can trust God with your finances, that you can step out in faith and have needed conversations with people. And as you grow your identity and you step out in faith, it does no good to grow my identity in God and just tell myself nice things if I don't actually step out and do something. I've got to step out of the boat and begin to say something. I've got to step out of the boat and begin to give when God asks me to. Why? Faith is tangible. Faith is action oriented. Faith makes steps. Because if you don't step out of the boat, you'll actually continue to shrink in fear. All across this room and those watching online right now, would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your head? Would you take a moment to reflect? Would you take a moment to say, God, what do you need to deal with me about? Would you take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, would you just take the light of your Word and would you shine it on my mind? Would you shine it on my heart, Lord? Would you expose areas of fear where I don't even know it's there? Would you help me become a a more loving, full-hearted, passionate person who is not limited by fear, but is running the race that they are meant to run? Father, I pray for every person. Father, I pray for every life, every family. Father, in Jesus' Name, take these moments. Pour out your power upon them. I thank you, God, for open hearts to your word. I thank you, God, for ready minds to go and do something different. I pray that you would stir the gifts in people. I pray that you would found them upon your love. I pray you'd found them upon the foundation, which is Christ. I pray in areas of relationship and finance where people need to trust you more and step out of fear into faith. I pray, Lord God, that you would just show them specifically in Jesus' name. While we're in an attitude of prayer right now, you might be here today and you might be watching right now and you've never received the person of Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart, or maybe you did at one stage of the game years ago, but you know you're far away from God. You may be watching a a Christian kind of station or a church service for maybe the first or second time in a long time, but for some reason you felt like God was speaking to you, drawing you. Listen, the love of God is higher. The love of God is wider. The love of God is longer and deeper than you'll ever imagine. And I just ask Holy Spirit that you would make that known to them even now, that all of a sudden their eyes of their heart would enlighten so that they could receive you by faith in Jesus' Name. I want you to, if, you're, if you need to receive Christ, 
if you have not yet turned your life to Jesus, ask Him to change you, ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to, to turn your life around. You've been living your life your own way and you want to receive His grace and His mercy. I want to pray with you right here and right now. Father, I pray for every life. I pray for every heart. But I want you to declare this after me. Say, Jesus, thank You. I believe You died on a cross for me. I believe You rose from the dead. I ask You, come into my life. Change my heart. Be my Saviour, my Lord, my very best friend. Help me follow You the rest of my days. In Jesus' Name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Church Alive, we love you. We're praying for you. Hey, jump into a transform group if you're not already. See you so soon. God bless you. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us with Church Alive online pray you were so so blessed today if this was the first time you prayed that prayer with us and you placed your faith in jesus for lord and savior of your life we want to send you a gift all you need to do is text connect seven to the number 97,000, and we'll send you this book following jesus in the mail hey don't forget to subscribe and yes. also share it with a friend who needs a, a little encouragement a little hope in this time yeah god, god bless you, you guys see ya